This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's Morning Bible Study. We are in Genesis chapter 4 and the very end of the chapter. We have finished Genesis chapter 4 after today. And then tomorrow we're going to go through what is uh, the best way to describe it is it's a it's a long list of people from Noah all the way back to Adam. It's called a genealogy, and it is uh, it's going to be it's going to be a good time. And I know you're sitting there going, I've never read a genealogy and had any fun. We're going to have some fun. We're going to go through it. We're going to see a lot of different things that the Bible is trying to show. We're going to talk about the importance of genealogies and things like that. Spend the next couple of days going through that genealogy, and I'll be pointing out some important things that you need to know for the future as we go through Genesis. And well, as you need to know just for uh, scriptural knowledge and insight to be able to see and understand and know what's going on around you, I am I am excited and fired up about today. It is the end of really us dealing with Adam in the sense of his family and his life. Yesterday we dealt with Cain. Obviously, Abel dealt, Cain dealt with Abel because he ended his life before he had any prodigy. But after Abel and Cain and Abel, you have Adam producing the line that is ultimately going to lead to Noah. And the Bible gives us that. If you'll remember yesterday as we were dealing with Cain, we saw that Cain and his decisions affected the generations behind him. And I think that is is very important to see because because oftentimes we live in a world where we want to understand or believe. And even even a couple of days ago, I was watching a show, and for some reason, the show depicted Christianity in such a way that belief that Christianity taught that man was naturally good or that there was an innate goodness that was in mankind. And the truth is that that's not what the Bible teaches, and it's not what Christianity teaches. Christianity teaches that man was created in the garden, perfect and good, and that he was sinless there. But after Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree, the Bible teaches that man is innately evil, is innately wicked, that the heart of man is replete with wickedness. It is completely wicked, and the heart of man turns away from God at every opportunity. And what the Bible teaches is that the one who has saved the day, fixed the problem, the one who brings a redemption and atonement and ultimately brings about man's heart back to the way things ought to be, the way God made us to be, is God himself. It's not man doesn't, man doesn't seek out God on his own, but God seeks man out. And when God seeks man out, uh, man, man sometimes chooses to walk with God and sometimes not. And um, as we go through the Bible over the years, you're going to see that. You're going to understand that. You're going to know that. And it's pretty obvious in, in, in the situation that we have with, uh, with Cain. Cain knew God. Cain had a relationship with God. In fact, Cain was bringing sacrifice to God. That being said, 
uh, Cain's sacrifice was not what God required. In fact, Cain's sacrifice was, was a desire to have a relationship with God without atonement. It was a desire to, to come to God on his own terms. And that ultimately ended in Cain leaving the presence of God. And in fact, that's what you see when, you, when we read it yesterday. It says that Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod. Notice that is a powerful statement that Cain went out of the presence of the Lord and he dealt in the land, he dwelt in the land of Nod. That's a picture of leaving the presence of God, of rejecting God, rejecting his will, rejecting his way, and deciding that you're going to go out and live your own way in your own place, to be a wanderer of your own volition, not of God's plan. See, God's plan of atonement is a plan for all. But but Cain's heart was never going to choose that. Cain wanted fellowship with God without atonement. Cain wanted relationship with God without going through the narrow gate, without going through the sacrifice that, that God required for that atonement, for that relationship. And his sacrifice was rejected. And and uh, that is that is that is the way it's always going to be. Oftentimes, I know our modern day church culture, we want to bring people to Christ in other ways outside of the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We want to make church in a way exciting. We want to make church palatable to a culture that likes a show. We want to produce a show. We want to make it in such a way that it doesn't cause people to be uncomfortable. It doesn't cause them to have to actually confront or deal with the Holy Spirit. We want to make church what we call, and this term, sadly, in my Christian life, came about when I was a young man in 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 the in the seminary and it was a seminary phrase that that began it it's that uh, we wanted to make church seeker sensitive and the idea was is that there are people out there that are seeking God and that we want to make the church palatable to those who are seeking God the problem with that is that's fundamental basis the fundamental basis on which it's, that idea is wrong they're not people out there seeking God God seeking people not people seeking God. And so when you make church something that it's not, and what it's not is, is it's not a place to make the world comfortable. If you make church that way, what you end up doing is you end up not changing the lives of the people that come, and you end up not discipling the believers that are there. And what happened here is that God, that that Cain wanted to be able to come and have fellowship offerings with God, have fellowship with God, but he didn't want to go by the narrow gate. He didn't want to go through the atoning sacrifice, which is the shedding of blood ultimately uh, ultimately perfected in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. He didn't want to go through that gate. He wanted to just have a good time, have fellowship with God, and not deal with the actual sinfulness of his own heart. And that's just not okay, and it's not good enough. And it's not going to work. You cannot make it to the throne room of heaven except that you go through the narrow gate, except that you enter through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And, and when a church does that, when a church invites the Holy Spirit's power in the room, when, the, when a church desires to glorify the finished work of Jesus Christ on the, on, on the cross, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. When a church seeks after God and seeks after God's will and his way, when that happens, life change takes place in, in the lives of people, the God's people, the people that God has sought out and brought to him, that life change takes place in their lives. 
and they in their hearts and their minds turn from their own will, like Cain had his own will. They turn from their own will and they turn to his will and his way. And and that's important that God's seeking out people whose heart is willing to turn to his will and his way. And obviously, God's not going to ever allow there to be a situation where there's no one except right at the very end of the revelation when when all the believers are killed by the one world government, the one world religion, and that being both of those being led by the Antichrist, when all the Christians or all the believers are martyred and they're all gone from the earth. There's not a time from now until that day in which God's not kept himself a remnant everywhere. He keeps a remnant of believers everywhere. And he's building his kingdom in places, in unique places that he's never built it before. Oftentimes, people think about, we think about China and the growth of China, the growth of their economy, and their their government's a godless communist government. They're also, their people are also, the people of China constitute the largest Christian community in the world, the largest Christian nation in the world. There are more Chinese Christians who, who call on the name of Jesus than there are Christians. I don't know if you know that or not. I know we we say that we're a Christian nation, but the truth is that probably only 20, 25% of our country actually attends church regularly. Now, only about 20, 25% of us actually worship God on a regular basis. China, the number is less as a percentage. Uh, it's probably somewhere in the eight to 10, maybe 12 to 15%. But when you've got 1.6 billion people and we've only got 350 million, that percentage of 10 to 12% makes up a whole lot more than it does in the United States. What I'm saying is God's in the business of building a church and building his church all over the world. And he's doing it in some very strange places that's never had the gospel of Jesus Christ shared. He's doing it among peoples that have never heard his message. And he has rejected those who refuse to who refuse to come to him on his terms. They come to him on their own terms. It says, and if you come to God on your own terms, you're making God in your own image and in your own likeness. And uh, that's not God. I don't really know how to say it any other way. And it's important to be said that way. It's important that, it, that people understand you cannot come to God on your own terms. You come to God on his terms. He's the one that's paid for your way to him. You come to him on his terms. And his terms are not terrible terms. His terms are really wonderful terms, but they're his terms and they're his way. His way is through Jesus. Can you think of a better way than that? I can't. I can't think of any better way than the, the way of the cross, the way of Jesus Christ. That's that's I can't think of any better way to come to Jesus and to come to God, but by him. But man wants to come on his own way, and God's not going to accept that. It says, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth. Uh, any of y'all know people named Seth out there? They were Seth, the third son of, of Adam and Eve, and he is the line from which Noah comes. And uh, so Seth is a very important figure. We all know about Cain and Abel, but nobody ever talks about Seth is the one who God is going to uh, use his line to bring about Noah. And ultimately Noah and his line are going to bring about Jesus. And that's very important. Seth actually means replacement. And you're sitting there going, I don't want to be the replacement. Maybe you do. Maybe you actually do want to be the replacement. Maybe you you want to be the replacement that wins the wins the victory, and that's who Seth is. He's the replacement. For God has appointed another. He's appointed another seed for me 
instead of Abel, who Cain killed. Notice that's that's a neat phrase right there that, that Eve says about Seth. She says, for God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, who Cain killed. Notice God always comes back and gives you gives you back that which you have lost. Anything you lose in service to the kingdom of God, all the losses that you feel like that have come in your life, I want you to hear me today. The blessing of God is that he always comes back and replaces them. He always comes back and makes you whole. And by the way, oftentimes we, I lost my grandmother. How is he going to replace my grandmother? He doesn't have to replace your grandmother. You didn't lose your grandmother. The, he, your grandmother's in the hands of Almighty God, and you're going to be there too. They're not lost. You're just you're just uh, Lenny, leave it, living these few short and quick years on the earth, and you're going to be in his presence for the rest of your life. You ain't lost your grandmother. You've not lost your grandfather. We like to say that's a phrase we use in life. I've lost, I lost my mom two years ago. The problem is she ain't lost. And if she's walking with Jesus Christ, she was found a long time ago. And so are you. And so you ain't really lost them. I lost my father about two and a half, almost three years ago. But I, he ain't lost. People say, I know where my dad is. He's buried out there in the graveyard. I know where my dad's body's buried, but that ain't where he's at. Uh, I buried my father two and a half to three years ago, and we put him in the ground at Red Ridge United Methodist Church. I've not been back to that uh, site. I haven't been back to where he is. Now, I'm not saying I'm never going back there, but he ain't there. I'm not going to visit where he's not. I'm looking forward to going to visit where he is. And and that's the way life is. And And that's the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. That's the faith that we have in Jesus Christ, the power of his resurrection. And uh, that resurrection power is at work in the world and it's at work in your life even right now. It's the thing that's making you whole and strong. And why dwell on that which is not when we can dwell on that which is? And that which is the power of God's resurrection that's at work in our lives today. He says, and so it says, notice this, I love this because he, God's, God keeps a remnant and he builds a kingdom. He says, and as Seth to him also, a son was born. As for, and as for Seth to him also, a son was born. And he named him Enosh. And, <clears throat> and Enosh, you're going you're gonna to see tomorrow as we go through the line of Noah, the genealogy of Noah, and get all the way to him. And then ultimately, there's going to be another genealogy that gets us to David, and then a genealogy from David to Jesus. We're going to see we're going to see the line from all the way from Adam to Jesus. Enosh is a is what I guess you would say he's 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 the fulfillment of the promise, and he's the one who he's the one who I lost it right there. He's the one who came after Seth, and God is always keeping that promise available. Then great phrase ends chapter four, ends up really what really is a terrible chapter in the Bible that starts with the Cain and Abel. The last phrase of this chapter of the Bible says this, then man began, began to call on the name of the Lord. It says, then men began to call on the name of the Lord. Notice God brought about a line that would walk in his will and walk in his way that he sought out, he made it for his own, the line of Seth, and men began to seek out, to call, to, to recognize, to open their eyes up and to see the name, and the name means the character, the nature, who God actually is, of Jehovah, of the Lord God. And notice, Jehovah is the title in, in, in 
Genesis chapter one, starting verse, starting in chapter one. He is the word, it's the word, the Lord God is Jesus at work on the earth. Elohim is the father. And then Jesus is the Lord God at work on the earth. And the Holy Spirit's mixed in oftentimes throughout the, these chapters. And we see him at work, but, but here we see men actually seeking out Jesus at the very start. It's, it's a great phrase that's used there. He says, and you can just, as you're reading the Bible, you just read it and pass over it. It's just nothing, but it's not nothing. It's something really important. It says, men began to call on the name of the Lord. For the first time, men who were lost, men who were separated from God, were found by him, were brought about by him. By his will, he set a line to receive him and to see him and to know him again and to know him in their fullness. And they began to call upon his name. They began to seek his name out. They wanted to know him. And I want you to think about that. That's been going on. That's been going on since that very day. It's been going on to this day. Men and women have heard uh, God's call to their heart and they've received it. And, and they have begun to walk in his will and his way for their lives uh, since that very day. And that promise of the seed of Eve crushing the serpent head, and that a redeemer would come that would settle the issue that began in the garden. This is the beginning of that process. This is the start and it going on. The same thing that's happening in this verse in Genesis chapter four is happening all around you today. And it happens in your heart also. And we seek out, we call. What we do is we hear God come to us. And, and we hear his word and we receive it in our hearts and we repent, uh, which means we turn to that voice. We turn from our own will and we turn to that voice. This is the conversion experience of the Bible. We hear the voice of God. We're walking in our own will in our own way. And we turn to the voice of God and we call out to the character and to the nature of God the character and the nature of the Lord Jesus. What a great, what a great plan God has for us. We're lost in our transgressions. He comes, he gives us his truth. He gives us his life. He gives us his purpose and he opens our eyes to see him. We see him, we hear him, we believe him, and we turn and we call on his name and his nature. And we have life and have it in its abundance. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus name.